Welcome to the AD Estate, hosted by me, Mitch Owens, Decorative Arts Editor of Architectural Digest. When one of the most admired interior decorators in the world teams up with the founder of one of fashion's most popular labels, something special is bound to happen. For Robert Keim and Tori Birch, it resulted not only in a splendidly redecorated, heavily timbered French manor house featured in AD's sister publication, The World of Interiors, for the fashion designer and her CEO husband, Pierre-Yves Roussel, it also sparked the Nara collection, a new line of fabrics and wallpapers. By glamorous brocade kimonos, but by much humbler earthy textiles that they found through private sources in Kyoto and Tokyo. I hope you enjoy the show. I'm extremely fascinated by the cultural underpinnings of this particular fabric collection because I don't think Japan has been thought about in terms of textiles and wallpaper designs, maybe not since the late 19th century. I think that's true. I, I, I really do think it's an, it was an unknown world, really. It's always fascinated me, but I'd never, I'd never realized why. And it's because they, they just don't have a European way of looking at textiles. No, for me, it's hard to believe that that's true, even though I know it is, because Japan is such a source of inspiration for, for me personally, as well as Robert, but for, for their fabrics and textiles. Mm. I've always loved them. Now, Tori, you, you went to Japan as a student, yes? Yes, when I was a junior in college, and I, I went uh, and never will forget that. It was the most eye-opening, beautiful experience, and, and going from Tokyo to Nara, it was um, something mm. I'd never seen before. Tell me about that. How did you come to spend your junior year abroad in Japan? No, so it wasn't my junior year. In fact, I went on a oh. program um, called Semester at Sea, and, and it was a, <laughs> it's actually a really interesting program. You go on a boat with 400 students, and you travel to 14 different countries, and you, it, it literally goes around the world, and Japan was one of the stops. So in Japan, you were in how you went to Tokyo, but Nara seems to have had a major impact on you that's been quite lasting. Yeah, and I think Robert, for you too. I mean, just Robert, it, it was so interesting when Robert and I first came. I mean, you were thinking of Japan, and we had just done a collaboration separately without even discussing it. We had done something with a shibori maker, a textile company for clothing and ready to wear. So, and then Robert separately was really interested and it was a, it was a, it was a coincidence, right, Robert? I mean, we were it, was a, it was a complete coincidence and it just melded together and uh, I, I absolutely loved it. I think it's, it, it's what I find really interesting too is that this was your first trip to Japan, yes, Robert? Yeah, yes, first trip. We got in touch with someone who'd worked with one of, one of the people over here 
and she took us around and she was actually wonderful. She had about, I think we did about 12 shops, no more. <laughs> more. <laughs> were they in particular specialist textile shops? Yeah, they were all textile shops, yes. But they, they don't do textiles what, the way we do them. They just have a different slant on it. And it was very interesting that because it's as if they're trying to collect all their textiles together and not all of them have a clue what they're going to do with them. They're just, it's just, they're really just collectors who have all these textiles and sometimes they're of immediate use. I mean, I've got a collection of textiles. Some of, some of them are no bigger than my handkerchief and in fact, most of them, really. And they just have a very simplistic view of, of how, of what they all are and what they all mean. It sounds that they're less shops than they are... Yes, less shops. ...passionate archives. Yes, they're passionate archives. That's exactly what <laughs> that's, they are. That's exactly what they are. Remember, Robert, the yeah. one that was yeah. maybe four, four to five feet big? <laughs> in a square yes. it was so tiny and we had yeah. to go turn sideways to get in the door and it was just covered. absolutely absolutely in amazing in, in that little shop how were how were the fabrics were they displayed were they in boxes were they just in stacks they're all yeah okay. they're all out in stacks yeah i didn't ask them enough i i don't have any japanese anyway but I didn't ask them <laughs> why they collected them, but there's definitely a sort of an archival streak in them that is interesting. I mean, the most extraordinary things also are the, the fabric covered books with the swatches and they're mm -hmm. very, very old and they had those stacked up. Remember Robert and all yeah, of the yeah. Place. Yeah, I do. And you were looking in shops in both Tokyo and Kyoto. Yes, I was. Yeah. Was there a reason for focusing on those two cities at that time? I was only there a week and it took a week to do <laughs> all of them. <laughs> I mean, there wasn't any time to do any others. I would have loved to have gone to some other places, but I, I don't know where they are. <laughs> we, were, we were going morning to night. It was pretty yeah. jam-packed. Yeah, it was. So you went out in the morning with your list of shops and your guide? Yeah, absolutely. And we staggered back at about seven or eight o'clock, and that was it. And had dinner. <laughs> we had a, and had yes. some sake. Uh, yes. Uh, yes, we had some sake, yes. What were the sort of fabrics you were looking for? Because I think most uh, Westerners, if we think of Japanese fabrics, we think of obis, kimonos, things that are very ceremonial, very formal. That's what we weren't looking for, actually. The real, if you like, peasant or native textile. Mm -hmm. what, 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 what is that in Japan? It's actually based on indigo, but, it, but they have other colors as well. But I mean, there's a lot of indigo in hundreds of different forms. And that's really what interested me, is how they made pattern. Very recently in England, there was a, a Japanese, in fact, 
when was it? At Christmas, I think it was. There was a Japanese collection on show, which was all kimonos. And I went to it thinking, oh, it'll be fascinating. Well, actually, it just wasn't for me because it was so grand and so extravagant and all about tiny, wonderful in its way, but wonderful stitching. But it was, it just wasn't what we found in Japan because in Japan they have wonderful peasant stock. Really, really interesting. The sort of fabrics you would make shorts out of or or just common wear, common materials for for daily use. Exactly. And uh, have you seen the, have you seen the collection? Have you got it? Yes, I have. I think they're I think they're wonderful because a I love indigo. I always yes. have, but I've always loved small patterns that draw you in yeah. to examine them that 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 make you get up close to appreciate them as opposed to a big splashy pattern that you can read at a hundred paces. That's true. They do make wonderful cushions. I think, um, and some I like more than others, but but, but basically, I think they're, <laughs> they're they're really interesting. We agreed for the most part, Robert, right, on the ones we loved. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we we narrowed it down pretty much. There was one Robert loved, and that I wasn't as crazy about. One that I loved, and that you weren't as crazy about. But together, what I love, they make a wonderful that, collection. They yeah. make a beautiful collection together, and it's interesting yeah. because. Something I'm fascinated with and what I've always admired about Robert's work is just the way he makes things go together that seemingly wouldn't. And in a very unfussy, undecorated, unpretentious way. And I think Japan, uh, for me, the, the textiles and the, the idea of cottons are something that really interests me and linens and, and not fancy fabrics, for lack of a better mm-hmm. word. It's, it's just so mm. beautiful that they look worn yeah. in an extraordinary way. Yeah, they do. They're very engaging, the fabrics. I remember when I picked up the swatches for the first time, that honesty and authenticity of linen and cotton, they're, they were not perfect. There's a humbleness. Yeah, there them. is. A reality, actually. It is their reality. And I, uh, that's what I n- noticed in shop after shop. There's a, there's a feeling that you know the person who, 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 who did it, who, uh, at least mm-hmm. for me, there was. I found that really interesting. Now, Tori and, and Robert, were you also bringing back fabrics just for yourselves beyond the creation of the collection? I bought 90 back. I haven't looked at them all with a view to making them or or anything yet, but this was just uh, a sample, a sample that we chose. But we, I think, did we choose three, three lots, uh, Tori? As far as? Three collections, I think there are. Yeah, and then we have so many other, other ideas as well, but this, this, I don't know how it ended up working out as far as number of collections, Robert. I think you might mm. know that I think I've more got than a... I. But I mean, there's something, you know, I kept going back to it with Robert of this idea of perfectly imperfect because 
the, mm. the idea of imperfection is something that really interests me. And I think Robert has always, Robert, you can speak for mm. yourself, but that there's something very uninteresting about perfectly done anything. And that's kind of what I loved about mm. yeah, what, I agree. what these do is they have yeah. nuances that are imperfect. And that seems to be something that's very baked into traditional Japanese design. One thinks of it as perfect for some reason, but once you examine it, especially through its textiles, you realize that that's, that's really not the case, that there is something, you almost feel like it's purposefully off. Yes, yeah. I, I agree with that. Yeah, it's very odd, isn't it? It's, and weird because we don't we don't treat textiles like that at least i don't think we do i don't think we no but i think you do robert and that's why i think you stand out among so many others as different and unique because what i love most and 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 before i met robert i i used his fabrics a lot in our homes mm -hmm. i felt like a, a fan when i first reached out to him to work together and the thing that I don't love in home, Robert, is when you walk, and, and Mitch, it was when you walk into a room and that was newly decorated and everything is very new. It mm. just is not mm. my, my it, I, I don't love that look. I really, I, I love when things have a sense of wear. And I guess, yeah, yeah life. And, and I grew up that way. I don't think my parents ever redecorated our home. It was, how do I call it? Casual glamour with a bit of, a few tears here and there that were intentionally kept. <laughs> they they never mm. they never thought to fix anything, and it was sort of chic in its own imperfection. Yeah, I I agree with that. That that's that's how it was for me too. I think what is interesting about the collection is that it all fits together. I mean, we didn't make it fit together but it does all fit together and it does all so I've got it all spread out on my knees at the moment and it it does all it does all look as if it makes sense now the patterns I'm looking at them as well so that people who are listening will get an idea there's the wonderful the two of them the the Yozakura and Hizakura which yeah. are just the tiniest possible stylized Cherry blossoms. Those yeah. are my favorite, by the way. Those are my absolute favorite. <laughs> I mean, and, and they're so beautiful because they—they don't—they're not regular. I mean, they're—they're they're all the same size, but they look like they've just been dropped on the fabric. Yeah, absolutely. There's one that I like very much, which is a biggish leaf. The oba, I think it's called. Yeah. Oba. Oba. Yes, that's it. It's I, I absolutely love that pattern. I think it's fantastic, and it looks wonderful as upholstery. Yeah, this is the one where it's like the overlapping leaves. Yeah, and I love the one that's called T-E, Tay. That's very beautiful, too. You know what's so nice also is the different weights of the fabrics, and some are very densely yeah. woven, and, and the lightweight yeah. walls are so beautiful mm -hmm. and yeah. to make different lampshades, or I just think the... The weights yeah. are so extraordinary. Or window hanging, so pretty. And the chow, I love that one. The, the butterflies, it's so beautifully lightweight. Yeah. The yeah. linen wall. That is really lovely. That When I first looked at that with these very delicate butterflies 
flying over mm. sort of sprays of flowers. It looks yeah. like, but again, in that white on blue, first thing I looked at, I thought instantly of a whole bedroom covered in that fabric, <laughs> walls and everything. Oh gosh. We're, we're living through a revival of, I think partly thanks due to Mr. Kime, a real revival of very strong interest in patterns. I don't think of the last time I saw a solid fabric used anywhere in, in quite a while. I mean, people seem to be embracing patterns in a way, I mean, especially wallpapers, but... Um, are you finding that, Tori? I mean, I, I actually, it's interesting. Yes, I've, I've, I, I am finding that. And I think the word humble is something that I keep going back to. Mm -hmm. um, less mm -hmm. is more, but in a way of less pretension and more integrity. Yes. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think if that could translate into fabric, this does that, but a lot of your fabrics do that, Robert, you know, and I think you're the master of that. And that's what's so extraordinary. I mean, I've always loved Robert and admired it, as I said, but to mm -hmm. go into one of his, your room or go into your home, like if I, if you visited his home, it's just, um, you see his love of cultures and how it's so personal and his depth of knowledge, but each one has a story. And that's something that's really interesting to me. That's very kind of you to say that. I haven't heard you. You've been embarrassed. No, you know. but I've just, no, it's true, it's true. Well, no, I was saying what's, what's really lovely too, but I think it's going to surprise a lot of people about this collection. Not only surprise them about the collection, but surprise them about the partnership, I think is a, a really exciting, Tori Kime, I'm sorry, Tori uh, Birch and Robert Kime in the same sentence. It really perks mm. you up and wondering okay. what the overlap is there. And so it's really lovely to hear, uh, Tori, you talk about your appreciation and admiration for Robert's rooms and how everything in them tells a story and that they're, they're very beautiful, but at the same mm. time, very relaxed. They are relaxed, yes. They are, for me, relaxed. Yeah. They're completely you. relaxed. You know, and Tori, the other thing I loved about this was when I saw the, when I saw the, the, the fabrics for the first time, I, I thought to myself, Bunny Mellon would like these. Just thinking because you own her beautiful former house. Um, and I know that she's someone whose style you appreciate. Mm. Yeah, I adore it. Actually, it's really interesting you say that because when I worked with someone that worked with Mrs. Mellon to repair one of the floors. He talked about her love of indigo and denim. And mm -hmm. she, picked, she picked the color of the floor based on denim, which I thought was so fascinating, and indigo. And then also a sand. And it's sort of that humbleness. I think humbleness is the perfect word that mm -hmm. Robert and Mrs. Mellon share and that I love so much. I mean, it's just the, the idea of pretension and uh, pretentious and dressy and fancy is, is just not, and maybe it's I've evolved us, over it? time as well. No. And I think, you know, for me, it's, it's not how I want to live. I want to be comfortable no. and cozy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So do I. Let's talk about indigo for a bit, because I think that's 
a, a, a dye, a color that's been out there obviously for millennium. It's such a different blue for people. It can be um, completely different, can't it? It can be nearly black and it can be nearly green. It always fixes it for me. I, I love it. It's a wonderful dye and there's something, and I could mm. be wrong, but maybe this collection is just making me think of that. There's an unevenness to yeah. it that's very appealing. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess also depth. It takes you, as you said earlier, it brings you in and it's sort of, you mm. look at it and then you see different shades of blue within the indigo. And that's kind of what's fascinating to me is all yeah. the kinds of blues. And when you look at the collection, Robert, and, and Mitch, the, the, all the blues just are different in a way. And yeah. it depends on how long you leave it, really, in the, in the, the dyeing process. That, yeah. The one that's called Oba, uh, which is the one I mentioned before, which is very good. Oh, yes, the overlapping one. leaves. Yeah, but it has so many different blues in it. It would be very difficult to do that. Can you see the shades in it? It, it just yes, mm -hmm. from light to dark, brilliantly, and yet it's such a simple pattern. And this was a, a digitally printed one. It is digitally printed, yes. No, was was there a reason that you all chose digital printing? There's a weave, which is quite complicated, very complicated to do, but but it's turned out nicely. Well, I think also Robert is you know how to print fabrics better than anyone. But we, we also wanted to make this collection um, accessible as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right, yeah. Robert? We didn't want it to yeah. be uh, no, as expensive elitist. as you. No, I didn't we, want it We elitist. didn't want that. No. So there's another level, another level of humbleness in it, which is very yeah. nice, that, that pairing. Um, yeah. of the humble fabric and the slightly you know the lower price but at the same time you look at them and you realize i mean digital printing is the exact very very of it. it's very very complicated <laughs> but it but you can well, and, do and it. it's expensive actually like when we print <laughs> yeah. fabric, but, but we managed to keep the Sorry. price down that was one no but no but really robert remember we were like okay you have different <laughs> levels of fabrics and we both said let's not make this too expensive. We wanted to make sure. Yeah. We did buy um, beautiful cloth too. I mean, uh, Tazuna is, it's a marvelous uh, co complicated weave. It's a linen and a cotton, but, but it's very, very beautiful how it prints. It's the diagonal stripe. And who would have thought, you see, I've never seen a diagonal stripe before. I just thought, how brilliant, how clever. Mm -hmm. Have you seen a diagonal stripe often? I, I, I've never. I, I don't think I have at all. No, you see. But it's so brilliant. And this is from, and this is a pattern based on the ropes for the horses. Exactly. And the, do you anyway. have the actual fabrics, Mitch? Because the texture and the, and the um, feel of that fabric is really interesting. It's, it's definitely got, one of I the... I got to have... Heavier ones, right? It's like sack. A bit heavier. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I love the, the fact that these really have, each fabric has a story yeah. behind it. Not, not just where you picked it up, or, or, but that it was you know, inspired by a scarf. 
inspired yeah. by a pair of trousers. These items that are everyday items that everyone can understand. Yeah. That take you right into the story of that particular print. Good old. And you've gone, and they're all different periods, yes? I don't know how old they are. I mean, some of them <laughs> are very ancient, but I, I don't know what dates they are. I suppose they're all 19th century somewhere. Mm-hmm. Robert, what was your impression of Japan in your whirlwind one week in the country? I loved it. I absolutely loved it. But I, I was having such a good time, you see, because I was just going from one wonderful shop to another and <laughs> picking out what I loved. And it, I mean, one shop I went into and I was just leafing through everything and and this woman came up to me and she said, where did you get that scarf? And I said, oh, I, I've just bought it. And she said, oh, I know, it's absolutely wonderful. And it had, it just had a, a technique of dyeing that I've never, ever seen before. She, she noticed it immediately. And she was such a clever woman, too. And she was the one who pointed out all the joins in the fabric. I mean, some of, some of these fabrics, if you put them under a microscope, you can see where you actually join the fabric together. You know, when the spool runs out, they, they just splice in a new, a new spool of it. But mm-hmm. you could see where, where all the joins were. And it was really fascinating to see that. Because you'd never see, they'd never show you that in a, in a European fabric. You'd never notice the joins anywhere. Because they don't exist. They're just, they're just lost. But they don't lose anything in their weaving process, that the Japanese. They, they display all of it so cleverly. And it even seems like the joining, her pointing out the joining, had a certain level of pride of accomplishment. Yes, absolutely. Because it's honest. And it's how things are made. And it's dead clever. I think. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Have you always been captivated by, by fabrics and the techniques of creating them, textiles? I suppose so. Ro- I don't know. Robert, Robert, yes. You tell them the story of when you were young in the, in the barn. Oh, I had a lovely time in the barns, yes. Did I tell you this story? I didn't yeah, know I with your, your parents had all the textiles. Yeah. Oh, yes. They, well, you see, they when I was about six or something like that, probably, my parents had a shed, which was called the green shed, but it was actually black and white. And they kept all their stuff that they'd inherited or things like that. And um, I didn't like playing trains and all that sort of thing. So I used to go into this shed and I had a wonderful time there because they just had every, all the textiles, all the pottery, all the everything from all their parents and relations who'd been in India and China and God knows where, all was dumped in this shed. And I used to play with it and I used to make the most wonderful houses and rooms. And I'd change it all and come back one holiday and I'd do it completely differently and then... So, so it was a never-ending task for me to use all this stuff. I love that it was a green shed, but it was actually black and white. <laughs> 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 
What did you come back with? I know we, we, we might have touched on this um, earlier in the talk, but Tori especially, coming back from Japan, you, you were, you were I, I know that you, you went there when you were in school, you were opening a shop in Ginza last year, I believe, yeah. as well. What is it that you, if you, you look back on that trip with Robert, that week of going through shop after shop after shop and just picking things, what is the one thing you brought back that sort of sticks in your mind about what you saw or what you experienced or, or how things felt in the development of the, at the very beginning of the development of this collection? Yeah, I mean, I think as, as many as many people in the creative world would say this probably, but, but for me, I just was completely energized. And by the attention to detail, the, the things that we found in, in corners of shops and places that didn't seem to have any facade and you walk in and there was this extraordinary beauty. And, and I, I think when you love what you're doing, it's never a chore and it just became no, it's never a chore. Yeah, it just became this magical expression of what number one, I love being with Robert and, and our teams that were there. We had a wonderful time, but to see such beauty in a new way, I think was something that I took away from it. I, I, I once did a collection of beauty in unexpected places and it was actually the artistry. Um, what is it called, Robert? When you, when the pottery breaks and you pour the gold in. Oh, yes. What is I it? love that. Wabasabi. Yeah. And, and so I just. Oh, I know. The, yes. Yes. Wabasabi, where it's mended right? with the gold vein. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. yeah. And it was just, I always found that extraordinary. Or the way they used to staple porcelain when it broke. And yeah. things like that I've always loved. And I feel like with Japan, it seems so meticulous and so perfect. But then as you pointed out, Mitch, earlier, when you when you look further, you see that maybe it's intentional, but there are imperfections that become so beautiful. I think the other thing is there's no hierarchy. There isn't, um, when I look at this collection, I can't look at it and think, oh, this will be worn by someone, uh, you know, who's trying to show off or mm. it, it, it's all so honest. And that's what I really responded to. So perfectly simple, honest, and gentle. There, there, there isn't a fabric here where you think, oh God, that's far too grand, or, uh, mm. you know, I couldn't, nobody could wear that. It's, it's something for everybody. I feel. Or too precious, or too precious to jump on it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> when you have a lot of children, that's one thing yeah. I, my parents always raised me with. Nothing, no room was off limits, and everything was, you know, not too precious to be to be lived in and to be comfortable in. Yeah, that's true. Tori Birch, Robert Keim, thank you very much for joining me on the ADS Theme to talk about Japan, your memorable week digging through textile shops and the birth of the NARA collection of fabrics and wallpapers, which just launched recently. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having thank me. Thank you very much. Thank you very thank much. You so I've much. enjoyed it very much.
The ADS Theat is produced and edited by Diane Dragan and Emma Wartsman. Music by Circus Marcus. All rights reserved by Condé Nast. To reach us about this episode or any other episodes, find us on social media at ArcDigest or email us at letters at arcdigest.com.